0: we'll hear insight and perspective from two guests that fill some of the many roles within this incredible industry. Welcome to The Room Black and enjoy your stay. Hey listeners, here we are. We've made it to episode three of The Room Black podcast. How's everybody doing out there? Sometimes I feel like we're channeling Paula Abdul and we're doing a little one step forward and two steps back kind of thing, but The thing that keeps me going is seeing the wonderful comments that I'm receiving about the podcast from so many of you. Um, I really appreciate the feedback that I'm getting from everybody and if I can just make a difference in someone's day by the content that I'm putting out there, that is really helping this time go by for me. So thanks for sending your feedback and comments and keep them coming because everything that you tell me can help me improve the show. Remember that you can email me at roomblockpodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach me on social media through either Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. So I'm pretty excited about the show that I have for you today. I could not wait too much longer to invite the guests that I am going to be sharing with you. And those are Richard Albrecht, Director of Client Relations, and Suzanne Steiger's Senior Hotel Industry Relations Manager, both from On Peak, which for those of you that don't know, is an event accommodations company or also known as a housing bureau, also my former company. So in addition to learning exactly how Rich and Suzanne both came to be 20-year veterans of the company, we discussed topics like what exactly they do for their clients and Also, what partnership looks like on both sides of the table for hotels that are participating in a housing block. But we also talk about the on-peak and the industry of the past, the present, and the future. And I want you all to listen for how the theme of harmony emerges from this conversation. Now, what do I mean by harmony exactly? Well, I know on this podcast before we've talked about balance, which is extremely important. This is a little different. I look at balance as kind of being uh, equal parts of the same thing or, you know, trying to find a 50-50. But harmony is a little more like when you're listening to a song and you hear the different tones, you know, the altos or the sopranos or whatever they might be. But you hear how that comes together, and it might be only 70% of one or 30% of the other. It kind of works the same way in a lot of what Rich and Suzanne and I talked about. There was a concept of bringing the best of two different worlds together and making something even greater. So as far as maybe merging two companies together or merging two different kinds of job roles together, But really, we can look at it as it pertains today to merging the lives that we had pre-COVID and the lives that we want to have once we get past this tough time. And what can we bring from our old life and merge together with our new life to bring harmony to our futures? So sit back and get ready to be inspired by the conversation that I have with Richard Albrecht and Suzanne Steigers. Hey everyone, okay, here we are, ready to start on episode three of the RuneBlock podcast. I'm very excited for this call today. Um, First of all, this is my my first evening call, which I think is kind of different, but um, I'm also excited because I have two guests with me who are near and dear to my heart, and uh, especially in recent times, we have Suzanne Steigers and Rich Albrecht, both from my former company, On Peak. and so I just wanted to welcome you guys today. Thank you so much for being here. Um, it means a lot to me that you're taking the time to have a call and share your wisdom with our listeners. So I just want to start by asking how each of you got into the industry. Kind of your hospitality journey so uh, rich how about we start with you
1: okay um so listening to your first two podcasts i think like a lot of people i just sort of tripped and fell into it um i was actually focused on a career in academia and when i finished my master's degree i needed a job so i started working front desk at a very small holiday inn and i was like all right this is pretty good i'll stick with it and then I was still working at the hotel. I decided to get my teaching certification and uh, still working at the hotel though. I worked MOD shifts on the weekends while I was going to school and teaching Monday to Friday. And then I taught high school for a year and was still working in the hotel on the weekends. At the end of that year, I sort of came to a crossroads. And I was like, I don't know if I want to continue an education. I think there are certain jobs that you need a calling for and being a teacher is one of them and I didn't, realized, you know, I thought, oh, I don't think I have this. And so I just said, let me stick with the hotel. So I was at front desk for a while. I moved into sales. I ended up as director of sales and I was there for like six years. Then um, one day I was looking through the New York Times and your uh, episode two, someone talked about like finding jobs, the New York Times. And you see this ad, like tired of working nights and weekends, tired of hotel hours, come to us. And I I was like, yeah, sure, you know. So it took like a month to get an interview, and I interviewed with one of the former owners of Travel Planners, RM Allen, and Lisa Baez. And I'm like, it sounds good. I don't really get what they do, but it sounds kind of cool. I know I don't want to work weekends anymore, and I want to do some traveling. So I'm like, all right, great. So by the time I got home off the train, I had a voicemail from the recruiter that I was offered the job, and I accepted it. And I still didn't quite get what they did on my first day, which was almost 20 years ago. Actually last July was 20 years ago. Like I walked in and it took a long time before I really understood what we did. And that's how <laughs> I tripped and fell into it. And 20 years later, I'm still there, you know, so.
0: Well, so Rich, for, I think a lot of people listening, remember the name know the name Travel Planners. But um, so for those people who who might not know Travel Planners, um, you know, one of the larger housing bureaus that eventually merged with on peak in Chicago and became the, the on peak that exists right. today. Um, well, for the most part, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, so Rich, so your position, you, you kind of took a, a few different twists and turns throughout on peak as or throughout travel planners and on peak as well. Correct.
1: Yep. So I started as what we now call an account executive. So I was the client point person for, um, some of our big clients I would say. And I was like five or six years I did that and I moved up to a senior position and ultimately as director of account services. So I managed that team. I think we had about 20 total. So there were two of us managing the team. Oh God, it was almost 10 years I wanna say. And then a really great opportunity after our merger in 2015, I think that's when On Peak and Travel Point was merged. Um, a great opportunity came to transition out of operations, and sort of like all the stars of line. So our, our sales team was was gelling, and they were looking for someone who can sort of bridge from operations to sales, and and sort of facilitate you know transition over there and understanding what happens behind the scenes after the sale is made. And so this this position was sort of put together for me, where I could focus on the clients that I had in operations. Um, and and assist the rest of the team with our retention efforts. And that's where I am today, and it was the best move I ever made. It's like when you step out of the hotel and you go on the planning side, and you're like, "God, it's really great on this side of the table." And now, like, <laughs> I went from operations into sales. I'm like, "It's even better on this side of the table." <laughs> like,
0: I was just gonna say, you moved from operations to sales. I mean,
1: who <laughs> would do that, thinking? right? You know, you know, it's the whole, it's the same, and it's the same dichotomy in the hotel, right? You know, it's the same dynamic of you know, well, sales has it easy. You know, they're just taking clients out to lunch. It's, it's all whining and dining and fun. You know. And I won't say it's not that because there is an element of that, but it's so much better than operations, that's all I'll say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> both, both roles have their, their pros and cons, for sure. They do. But they do. Yes, it takes a very special person to stay in operations forever. Sure <laughs> Great. Thank you. Well, so now let's move over to Suzanne Stegers, And look, let me just start by saying, Suzanne, I feel like People are going to hear your voice on this call today, and for some people, it might be like this world of, of getting to know Suzanne Steiger. And I just, I'm just saying that from my from my perspective as a hotelier, I always thought Suzanne was like as behind the curtain, <laughs> like if she she's like this great being that I know she does a ton of work. But then people would say, "Well, I want to go see Suzanne in the office," and it's like, "Oh no, she's not here." <laughs> she, she she doesn't, she works from her home, and this is before we all worked from home, you know, and so, <laughs> and so here you are. So I
2: want to share you with the world. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> so in terms of hospitality, um, it really started for me in restaurants. I always worked in restaurants. My brother had, uh, one of my brothers had an Italian restaurant that I worked at. I used to come home from college my freshman year and work at this very high-end Italian restaurant. And I just love the, um, the pace of being in, in food service. Um, when I got to college at Boston University, um, I got a job as a front desk clerk at the Howard Johnson across the street from Fenway Park. So as a Yankees fan, that was an interesting place to be. Um, but so learned a lot there uh, at the front desk. Um, when I graduated from college, I got a job doing convention services so you're following the segue that happened here and then across the valley from the resort that i was working at there used to be a playboy club hugh hefner opened a playboy club in new jersey which they converted to a conference center so i got hired as a sales manager there so i did that for a while um and then like richard um i was put in touch with a headhunter who brought me into this job at a place called travel planners and that was in 1995 and so went in and again, like Richard, interviewed with Ira and Lisa Baez. And Ira said, okay, well, you've done you know, 60 room nights or whatever it was you know, in a contract that I did at a resort. He said, how are you gonna handle 60,000 room nights? And I said, I don't know, I just will. And three months later, it, I said, I felt like I was you know, interviewing to be president, but I, I was offered a job at travel planners. And 25 years later, this March will be 26 years, um, I was with travel planners um, until we merged, you know, with On Peak in 2014. In uh, the time that I was there, um, like Rich, I started as an account executive, moved to a senior account executive position. And then as events started to unfold over the years, events like 9-11, the crash of the economy different socioeconomic periods i was really getting pulled into doing more of the contracting for the company and then that became my full-time role pretty much for the last i want to say 15 years um and i was i've been working from home full-time for 17 years so that's why people have not seen me in any office location and you know the like you said the volume of work being at home was really uh, conducive for me to work at the level that I was working at. So it's interesting today to see so many people going remote, which I think is another interesting, you know, topic for us, you know, to touch on. But yeah, I love everything about it. I love the hospitality industry, very passionate about the work. I think it's an important part of our, as we can see with everyone that is out of work right now, I think our industry has been probably the most impacted by this. We play a really critical role and I've been very proud to be a part of it.
0: Definitely. So you're talking about the volume of work for the listeners. I guess I just want to comment on the fact that I have an intimate view of the volume of work that Suzanne did um, because we, full disclosure, we're on the same team, um, contracting services at On Peak, uh, hotel industry relations. And Suzanne had the capacity to do an amazing number of contracts every single year for some of on peak's largest clients. So when you say you're contracting full time for about the last 15 years, I'm going to go out and say that it probably
2: represents well over 12,000 contracts. <laughs> yeah, somewhere between that and 15,000. A big year, a big year was a thousand, a moderate year was 600 to 700. Yeah. Oh, so those weren't all done in in early
0: twenty eighteen with the emission <laughs> reductions. Were- oh yeah. Well, yeah. That was a, that was one of the big years, definitely. <laughs> I'm glad that you both brought up the merger because uh, I was with on peak during that time when when the merger occurred, and so it was obviously a scary time for us because it was something new and different, and we weren't really sure what was going on. We were merging with our biggest competitor. And so it was like, who are these people? What's gonna happen? I knew of, a lot said of You said the same thing. Yep.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I knew of a lot of you. But um wow, I just wanna say and uh, being able to learn from I'm gonna we would say, you know, the New York office, the New York office, because that's where the travel planners headquarters was located. Being able to meet and learn from the New York folks was one of the greatest experiences of my career because um, Peak has amazing people, Travel Planners has had amazing people, um, but it was just such a different kind yeah. of environment. So you two kind of grew up together in that environment. For those who are listening, Two housing bureaus, both the same size, but really just very different places. And so I was wondering if you two could kind of speak to your experience working together. I mean, and you both kind of grew up together in this company. And so how did you lean on each other and, and what did you learn together? And like what were some of the, you know, lessons that you learned? from your years and travel planners
1: well if i may i have a story about and so suzanne and i shared this part of the office that we called the west wing it was like the cadillac of real estate in at 31 park avenue south it was like four cubicles off to the side separated from everything else big floor-to-ceiling windows with a view to 27th street it was great so it was suzanne me Linda King to and someone, Linda Rank, who's no longer with us. And that last seat sort of rotated between a couple people. So for many years before Suzanne went full-time remote, I sat next to Suzanne and every word that I uttered on the phone to a hotel or a client was, Suzanne heard it, she had commentary on it. So, you know, full disclosure, Suzanne and I are work spouses. Um, we still talk multiple times a day. Uh, you know, we just cannot live with each other. I. My love and respect for her, you know, is is their honor words to describe it. So we've weathered a lot of stuff together and it was right after um, Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. And it was sort of one of my first big events that was taking place there. And the event canceled because of the hurricane and then it was postponed later in the year. And so I'm on the phone with the hotel taking care of stuff. And I know she was listening to me and whatever I said, I don't remember, she literally came around the wall of the cubicle put my phone on hold. We had these crazy old phones with like weird switchboardy kind of buttons. She puts it on a hold in the middle of the conversation. She's like, nope, that's not what you're saying. You're gonna do this, you're gonna say this, I'm gonna say that, and took it off hold and watched me while I did it. And like, that was the best lesson I ever had. So the dynamic was kind of like that. She's like, nope, this is how you're doing it. She trained me and she trained so many other people exactly in that way.
2: He, he talks about it lovingly today. He wasn't very happy with me that day but
1: <laughs> no i wasn't but but you know in <laughs> hindsight it worked
0: isn't that how it always is the the hardest or the greatest lessons or the hardest ones and the ones you're, you're not happy about when it's happening and then you can look back and be like oh i'm so glad
2: yep. it happened yep. <laughs> so you know jen the, in- the interesting thing about travel planners is you know ray and i are i call them you know the, the godfathers of third-party housing i mean they started travel planners I'd like them to do a memoir because I think their story is really interesting. Um, They started in the basement of a brownstone in New York. Um, One of them borrowed money from their fathers to buy a computer. They hired uh, one of their first employees and um, they were buyers for Bloomingdale's and they were at a show at Javits and they saw that there was a need for people to have housing in New York when they were going to a trade show. So they Created these badge mailers. Um, They reached out to some show management companies and said, Hey, on your behalf, can we send out these badge mailers? And they reached out to some of the hotels in New York. And little by little, the mail started coming back in and people making reservations for these shows. And they just worked purely on commission. So that model sort of started there. And some of their first clients were, you know, International Toy Fair, which is still a client of On Peaks. Rich, you know, feel free to jump in at any time and they've had clients for decades and so when we all came in i believe they started i want to say it was 1991 and we all came in shortly thereafter the late 80s and we all kind of grew up together under their tutelage and it was important formative years for all of us you know people getting married people having children family members passing and, and and we all went through those periods together in addition to Tragic events like 9 11. And I think those were the things that really solidified the staff because to be in New York on 9 11 on its own uh, was pretty impactful. But then what we had to do for our convention travelers that were located all around the country, people were calling us frantic to help them get home. And to Rich's point, Hurricane Katrina and, and a lot of these events. We we were going to battle in that office, and we went to battle together. And it's just, it's created these bonds with us that um, I think that's what you saw when we merged. Uh, it really was like a family and, and we supported each other, and uh, we still do today.
1: And I will say too, working for Ray and I for as long as we did and watching them in action, you know, it was, it was an ongoing learning experience. You know, there were two brilliant businessmen who knew this industry inside and out they made us want to be as smart as they were it was really hard to yes. do you know and we never really got there but you know they were always the smartest guys in the room and whether it was a client meeting or a sales pitch or or anything or a staff meeting you know they uh they did their homework they knew everything about it and they
2: fully empowered us yes it was our account we owned it from start to finish and whether it succeeded or failed ended with us but they gave us everything we needed to be successful, and one of the best things they gave us was Lisa Baez as a manager. Um, everything good that's happened to me professionally is because of her. She's brilliant, and they've had her in the lead. Uh, she always called her the general manager of travel planners, and I see her now the same way at On Peak. So she really helped facilitate that merge and I think brought the two, like you said, <laughs> opposing forces of On Peak staff and travel planner staff. And it took it took a second i think we can all attest to that for us to gain our rhythm as one company but she was at the lead for all of that yes lisa was my boss at on peak
0: and i can absolutely agree that that she is a force and everything that you mentioned she is the glue she really is yeah. and it did take a few years to get our stride and i remember seeing um actually Bill Martin from Experience at an event once and after we had the merge and he said, it's gonna take about three years. I've I've gone through a few mergers and let me tell you, it's gonna take you about three years. And honestly, he was right. It was a full solid three years, I think. And fortunately for me, that was kind of when I, I stepped into my role uh, directing the team in early 2017 and things really just kind of started to take off. I felt like we had a lot of great things in place at that point.
1: Absolutely agree.
0: So now both of you are in different roles within the company. You know, Suzanne kind of on the contracting side, dealing with things years in advance, to be honest. Um, And the rich, you're kind of dealing with things happening more today or coming up in a few months. And in sales, of course, you are also looking into the future as well and trying to protect the future of the company as well through your sales process. Um, But having that tie still to operations and kind of being the gatekeeper to your accounts and what's happening day to day, um, kind of puts you in more of a present day role than where Suzanne's role would be. So I'm kind of curious, each of you impact your clients so positively, but they're in vastly different ways, because they're in vastly different kind of time frames. So could each of you speak to how you know, how your roles do positively impact your clients or the events that you work on?
2: I think, I guess let's talk about maybe a new client coming in. One of the things that I really like to do is getting a new client and getting under the hood and really seeing what they have from a contracting standpoint. I've always seen that as sort of the foundation of all of these programs and all of the business because what you put in those documents kind of paints the picture for how the program's going to unfold. And how can we enhance that process? So I think think that's the part that I like to bring to to this. How how can we improve where you're at and impact your bottom line? At the same time, coming up with programs that um, are interesting to the attendee. You know, you call this the room block, right? So we want people, how are they booking within the room block? Are we going out with a list of hotels and hoping that people are going to just book within the block. No, we need to create something that is dynamic and that they cannot find elsewhere. So I like to really understand what the client's needs are and what their attendees' needs are and put that all into a package and deliver it when we open housing. That's something that I I think is exciting and dynamic and always changing and it changes by cities. So it's just that sort of analytical part that I I think is really important to the clients.
1: And I think, you know, on the sales side, That element is really important because I think most of the strategy for any program happens at the contracting level. You know, you're you're looking at what the hotel assortment should be and, and you know, and figuring out what the price points should be, you know, and what, what do you get, you know, by booking in the block? What does it mean to be, you know, the official housing provider and what are we offering to the attendee? And that, you know, on the operations side, especially on the sales side, that's sort of what keeps us sticky you know we the clients are, are are engaged that we're 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 delivering innovation you know on the contracting level where we're balanced and fair in what we do and ultimately we're we're providing the best value to their attendees
2: and i think too the, the last part of it is being a good partner to the hotels and i always say to the hotels i come from a hotel background i understand what you need when you walk into a meeting you need that block to fulfill you know, we, we need a rate that's fair. So I always say that if the client is happy and the attendee is happy and the hotel is happy, then I'm happy, you yeah. know? And I, I, I always approach this as a win-win. I think that is, how can both sides feel fulfilled at the end of this process? And I think that's the foundation of how I enter every contract negotiation. So everyone can walk away feeling satisfied. Absolutely. I mean, and that is kind of the basis for a
0: successful negotiation, right? You know, maybe each side is left maybe wanting a little more, but essentially everyone's pretty good with what it is. So, I mean, really, you have to have that balance. So you talked about being a good partner to the hotels. And um, I know that's something that Housing Bureau's in general, and definitely on peak, I know, just personally, um, strive to do uh, It was very important to us as, as a company, because without the hotels, you know, we really couldn't have a successful event. They were an integral part of the process. But from your guys perspective, how can the hotels be a good partner to a housing bureau?
1: I mean, I will say, I th- I believe, you know, I- there's a tremendous amount of responsibility we have when we negotiate a contract and we open up a program and start booking rooms to deliver, you know, and we we don't take that lightly, you know. Um, it's our job to deliver the contract, the block that we contracted. And as I've sort of, you know, in the in the new the new normal, I hate that phrase, but that's along with pivot; those are terms we're going to be using for a long time. So as we pivot to a new normal, um, I've actually stepped back into doing some hotel contracting. And um, it's kind of like riding a bike, you know, I just have to dust some things off and get back on it and I start pedaling. But um, as the market dynamics change, you know, I hope we see what we saw, you know, the, the, the months after September 11th and the months, you know, in late early 2008, early 2009, you know, and Suzanne can speak to this too, because we used to talk a lot about it, you know, the, our business used to be the foundation, you know, we were the base.
2: And then hotels
1: were able to build on top of that and um we're not the base right now because you know convention travel and business travel just isn't happening but i'm starting to see it already where you know the value the, the immense value and the recognition of the business that citywides represent to a hotel and to the city it's really growing rose talked about that in in the in episode two and it, and it's true you know that the impact that this business has is tremendous. And so I, I'm thrilled that that's re emerging. Um, you know, it was a seller's market for a long time and it's shifting and it's shifting in a really positive way. You know, a partnership is there and I think it's stronger than ever. Wow.
0: That's awesome to hear. I love to hear that you are starting to see a sense of that um, importance and recognition coming back. And I hope that means that. Business may be coming back a bit more too.
1: <laughs> Fingers crossed. We just need yeah. some events to stage and and stage successfully and, and and hopefully we'll see. But yeah, it's it's I mean, I'm working primarily in Las Vegas right now. And, you know, I, I on Facebook I saw the other day, you know, that we're all in the same boat, you know, and it was like, well, we're not really in the same boat, we're in the same storm. And some of us are in luxury yachts, some of us are in canoes, some of us are in, you know, a blow-up raft. And there's a connection in that, you know. We 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 are our business, our company has suffered. Um, everyone in the hospitality in, industry has suffered, and it's it's sort of brought us together, you know, to really like focus and on the future, and and do good things and and unite and be strong with it.
0: And so, Suzanne, how about from your perspective, which is kind of in a, a different place as far as negotiating with hotels, contracting with hotels what do you think hotels can do to help be a good partner?
2: I think, um, you know, to Rich's point, when we contract, um, we take it very seriously filling the block. And I think it's challenging for us when hotels take blocks direct. Um, and it dilutes our, our program that that's a big challenge. Um, rate integrity. I always say, you know, there's just very simple foundations of this process. And if we don't have the best rate, there's really no reason for anyone to book within the block. So if the hotels don't make us compete with them, then we can be successful. And that's where we become the foundation again. And they build the rest of it around around the citywides, at least over the peak dates. So uh, I would say that would probably be the most important thing don't make us compete against you for the same piece of business. Because the argument that I always make is that event is there because that show organizer is bringing that event there. And without it, you wouldn't have that reservation. So it's really their attendee, their customer who happens to be choosing a particular property. That is true. And
0: so we talked about a little bit on the contracting side. But once an event is actually open and selling, aside from making sure that the rates are in line with <laughs> with what has been contracted and what the market is bearing. What about at the time that the event is actually taking place? I mean, are there items or things that you guys have seen or witnessed? Um, and this is probably more of a question for rich or even Suzanne to take you back to <laughs> early account executive days, things that happen actually, as the event is going on that a hotel can do to be a good partner, even from you know the importance of providing the reporting or how they you know handle a guest check-in or something like that. I mean, you know, walks are a challenge, I know. <laughs>
1: That's what I was going to say. I think the communica- <laughs> communication, it is all about communication. You know, nine times out of 10, we have a team on show site who is there just to deal with whatever might come up, you know, and nothing's worse than a client coming up to you the next morning and saying, hey, I heard this hotel just walked 30 of our guests and we had no idea. Um, It doesn't happen a lot. We usually know, but sometimes we are blindsided by it. Um, There's been a lot of times I think we can all remember, and this is before the days of cell phones, I would say, when we used to go on show site with a pager and an AT&T calling card and had to find a payphone. But like, Midnight, you're in your hotel, phone rings, front desk is like, Hey, we have an attendee checking in for your hotel. We don't have their reservation or We've got to walk some people, or you get a call from an attendee that uh, uh, hotel doesn't have my room. I just walked in and they're sending me, you know, five miles away or whatever. So knowing that in advance really helps us out because we have our leadership team when they're on show site with us, will ask it and our clients will too like client will walk up to the housing desk and say hey how did we do last night what was the pickup like and we need to have that information like we need to be able to answer it so if we don't get the reports that we need that morning you know they're like well i've got to call and follow up so the communication is definitely there we are there to help out so and that includes the hotels you know we if they have an issue with anybody at the front desk they just need to call us and we will we will do what we need to do to fix it
0: it's nice to hear and I mean, and I know this, but I think it's good to convey that you guys are there to support and you're there to support not only your client and the attendees, but the hotel community as well. And just to make sure everything runs smoothly.
1: You know, Absolutely. It's always,
0: you know Communication is the answer. Yep. It's the answer to so many things, yep. right? <laughs>
2: Such a simple item, but sometimes it's forgotten. And if it runs smoothly, then everything, And you know, I don't mean to keep bringing it back to the contracting but if it goes well, it makes the contracting piece so much easier. So when you say, how do you get a thousand contracts done a year, that's 25 years of good relations and clauses and yeah. language that have been yep. honed and sharpened. So I know each hotel has a different set of needs and issues and, and bells and whistles and things that set off certain sales managers. And once you bridge all of that, then you can get down to the business of selling rooms. So. I don't get bogged down in starting from scratch every year so the experience in this is really important and they trust us that we're going to do the right thing and i think that's what separates us as as a housing company um, is just that level of experience and understanding and relationships and i'm
0: glad that you mentioned that cyclical relationship and you know how whatever happens on site can help impact positively your contracting experience for the future. I mean, it's so true. And actually in episode one, Rick and Kevin kind of talked about things from that perspective, kind of taking that long view Mm -hmm. of a relationship, you know, not just what happened right this second. And then, you know, we've got to only focus on that. It's, well, let's look ahead five years. How might whatever happens today impact our relationship down the line? And I know that it's a tough time to be talking about future two years, three or four years from now, because we don't really know what it's gonna look like. But to go back to the point about how you guys are <laughs> witnessing that support of conventions and just how important they really are to the economy. I mean, I think we can all assume that five years from now, we will be seeing conventions back in full force. We better so, be. Yep. well, it's hard to imagine a world without them. I know. Well, so on that note, Rich, you kind of started to talk about this, but you're saying you kind of feel like we're heading back to a buyer's market from a seller's market, which makes sense. And you said you are doing contracts now, actually proactively contracting events for the future. So yay, that's great to hear. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, and you can speak about this either from perspective of the industry or just your current organization. But what kind of changes have you seen happening now that you hope will carry on in the future?
1: You know, I mean, we, we talk about the cycle, right? And we, we go through these, especially given how long all of us have worked on this side of the industry. And, you know, we've been through a lot of these things where the market dynamics change. It's the sellers, to a buyers, to sellers, to a buyers. So even though we're in this buyer's market right now, no one loses sight of the fact that we have worked together for so long and we've gone through these cycles together. And so, you know, we're not seeing fire sales and, you know, like, oh, you can in a hotel that's normally four ninety five a night. Well, guess what? It's one we We're not really seeing that happen. But they're just so appreciative of the business that we can bring them. You know, we're like, you got a contract? Yeah, we'll do it. Let's, you know, what do we need to do? Um, and there's a lot of openness to revisiting terms. You know, everyone's really looking at their force majeure and everybody's, looking at their cancellation and what that means. And, and, and there's a lot of good dialogue happening about it. So I've, I feel we'll be in this together. We're going to, you know, we'll weather the storm. And then as we get more and more business on the books and, you know, hotels can start forecasting and we can start forecasting and, and knowing what we have on the books there is really important. It's a mix of some people are a little shy to, you know, really make a move right now because they just don't know what's going to happen. So in those cases, we're just sort of waiting and seeing. But there, there are a good number of events that are like, you know, what? Either if it's not twenty-one, it's you know, certainly not the beginning of twenty-one, but later in twenty-one or into twenty-two and beyond. And they're like, no, we're 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 going to be full force. We're ready to go. We're looking forward. We're positive, and you know, let's just let's just get it done.
0: Well, Suzanne, I know you're not necessarily actively working in present day, but I feel like you know. You stay on top of things, you're you're keeping in touch with coworkers and, and clients. And are there any conversations that you've had that make you think that, you know, there's there's kind of a an attitude out there or or certain things happening that you think will carry on into the future?
2: It's tough. It's tough. I I want to be um I'm always optimistic, right? I feel like if you don't have hope, you don't have anything. Um, I'm concerned. One of the things that I'm concerned about with the industry is the amount of people that have been furloughed or laid off and people with tremendous amounts of experience and not really having a sense of when things are going to resume. I think people are finding new industries in which to go to work at. And I I feel like we're going to lose some of um, our critical players and that's going to have a a shift that i don't think we can all sort of understand at this point so i don't know if i can fully answer your question now until we actually open back up see who is still standing because a sales manager at a hotel can can really um, decide how things are going to go a player at a property um, creates an environment. And Rich, you know what I'm what I'm saying. there yeah. it's uh, go ahead.
1: I mean, we're we're experiencing it now, you know, where uh, we had years long relationships, whether it's on this you know the the citywide level, national sales level or just hotel level, and starting over, you know, and not having that. You know, when I go to a uh, uh, whatever hotel in whatever city and it's like, yep, here we are ready to contract this show. They've been on it for years. They know the history. they know the client. They know the dynamics as well as I do. To start from zero, you know, is a challenge. So a lot of the conversations I'm having now is just, number one, like, you know, our, the dynamics at, within On Peak are a little different right now. You know, within a lot of our clients, they're a little different. You know, there's been staffing challenges and resource challenges across the board. And the same thing on the hotels, that they're not working. A lot of many of them aren't working five-day weeks. So in addition to things just taking longer because everyone's coping with fewer resources, it's really starting from zero in a lot of instances. And so where I might have, an, you know, I have a client that I've had since my first day, you know, so it's been 20 years and and a lot of my hotel partners have the same experience. So, you know, we can bang things out really quickly and take care of whatever happens. But now it's starting from the beginning again, and and the education process on this event and this client and what's important, and then we're laying re- layering in. You know, things used to be this way, and when we were last in your city, you know, this is how we did it. Well, now we're sort of shifting our focus here, and so the negotiation process and the and the and the processing the paperwork is taking even longer because there's more eyes on it, there's more scrutiny, and there are changes. You know, we can't be like this is tried and true and this is what worked. You know, that's being adjusted now and it's changing every day so even where you just think you got your footing and you're ready to go then something you know some other curveball is thrown you just have to contend with it so it's it's sad to see you know when you looked on linkedin and you just see the number of people with the open work hashtag and so many of the people that we've worked with for years i know you both know what i'm what i'm talking about
0: absolutely i i do know and i was talking with Suzanne prior to this, and we were talking about how you know it's difficult to see some people who move on, and, and I totally get they have to, but it is also difficult. And you know, as difficult as it is to not be working, I I feel for you all who are still working, because you're doing it with a greatly reduced support system.
1: You know, I will, that's been said, I mean, I, I am full of gratitude for my situation you know it is tough sure you know we're all working with reduced schedules you know i'm fortunate to be one of them so for not reduced schedules the two of you are not at the moment you know and it's like it is it is different but if anything's come out of this for me personally and i would say for for those of us at on peak the drive to move forward and and Get business in the door is so strong. I don't. We've never been more united in like we've got to, you know, we're ready, we're prepared. Let's look to the future. We want to build back up again to where we were. We want all these people to come back on our team, and that's really driving us. And the level of gratitude, you know, it's my husband and I just sort of like are we're viewing this now as like the right sizing of everything. It's like uh, I don't know if you saw on Facebook, it was out there for a while. It's the great realization. This this little story time, uh, like fairy tale that this guy Tomo Robert, Thomas Roberts put on Facebook. And it's him reading this little story to, they're actually his little brother and sister, but his kids about sort of years and years in the future from now looking back on 2020. And it, it brings a tear to my eye every time I listen to it because it's so true, but you know, it's this fairy tale about how life was leading up to, you know, February, March of 2020 and how it all came to a halt and, you know, that it took this catastrophic event to change the world and, you know, and, and sort of looked at it in a really positive way and how it's a driver for change in and things. And, and that's sort of it. I mean, I'm just feeling it personally. I'm seeing it professionally too, where it's like, all right, we've got this chance to right-size and reset and be grateful for you know, for if we're lucky enough to have our health and be, you know, grateful for that. And I'm so grateful for the work that I'm able to do right now. And for the people like you guys that I still get to talk to, even if we aren't, you know, working together every day. So that's, that's driving, particularly with those of us that are on staff and on peak, that is absolutely driving us every single day.
0: I'm so glad you said that, because we've all thought about that, or I've thought about that personally, right? That, the reset that's happening. I mean, I, I feel it happening in my day-to-day, the getting healthier and, and getting outside more and spending more time with the family. But it is awesome to hear that in the office environment, that that kind of attitude prevails as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, Microsoft Teams is, is our lifeblood now. You know, I mean, we still, the team still comes together. We all, we've been set up to work from home, you know, for years, of course, but it, we've just gone without a bump it's just we're, we continue and we still get together you know we and video chat is, is is the lifeline for all of us now you know to keep connected and see each other's faces you know I always whenever time we get a call and I'm like all right everyone you got to turn cameras on because I, I need to see you you know I can't just stare at my screen at a little circle of your your outlook photograph like I want to see you I want to <laughs> see your mouth move I had it with a client today you know I've, I've talked to her every day for months but We've never seen each other so we had, a, we had a go-to meeting about something and i'm like god it's so good to see you you know <laughs> because that client suzanne and i were with that client in in february in las vegas and i'm like that's the last time i saw your face and got to really like be with you and experience you so yeah we're mo- really motivated
0: good I'm so happy to hear that well i did want to ask you both one more question and that's you know if we're talking about people having to move on and while that's not ideal, if you did have to or if you weren't doing what you're doing today, what industry would you be in or what would you be doing?
1: So, what would I be doing if I weren't in third-party housing? Um, you know, I the reason I left teaching was I originally, you know, I I thought oh, I'll teach high school because I was too lazy to get a PhD, but I actually taught Italian at the university where I got my degree. And I absolutely loved it, you know, but I'm like, oh, if I'm going to stay here, that means I need to go to school for another couple more years, you know, and I just really wasn't into that. So when I got my grade 7 to 12 teaching certificate, I thought, all right, I'll do high school and that'll be fine. And after a year of teaching like 16 year olds, I was like, no, I'm done. But in another, in an alternate universe, I would love to be a university professor. I studied Italian linguistics and specifically the history of the Italian language, you know, and the evolution from spoken Latin to present day Italian. And it was fascinating to me, you know, and vowel charts. And I just felt so smart every time I like figured something out. And so I would I would love to be a university professor teaching Italian. It was one of the most rewarding things I ever did.
0: That does not surprise me because I always kind of saw you as the scholarly type. Oh, thanks. And a very patient, <laughs> teacher so i can totally see where you would actually fall into that role very smoothly
2: so about 10 years ago i had started an organization called uh, connect for community and i grew up in you know a lovely area in new jersey um and what i found was there were thousands of families going to the local food pantry because people were suffering that had never been in that position before. So I started a group of volunteers and we shopped with coupons and we got thousands and thousands of things for free or pennies on the dollar and we donated it to a local food pantry. And from that, over the last 10 years, it grew into many millions of dollars of food and toiletries donated to over 40 different facilities throughout the state. One of the fantasies that I've had about our industry and kind of bringing these two worlds together is I feel like we have a social responsibility to one another and we have this vast trade show industry that um, Citywide's care is something that I've kind of kept in the back of my mind. Um, I was in Las Vegas uh, several years ago and a school a few miles off the strip was brought to my attention called Whitney Elementary, um, where nearly 100% of the kids are homeless that go to the school there. So this principal was featured on Ellen DeGeneres, and she does everything in her power to take care of those children. So I had reached out to some of the hotels and I said, hey, listen, if you have any toiletries or is anything that you have supplies within this within the hotel to donate to the school. And many of the hoteliers said they felt embarrassed that they didn't even know the school existed there. And so many of them have been donating ever since to this school. Um, An exhibitor recently wanted to go in and put new flooring in from one of our flooring events into the trailers that the kids go to after school. So I, I would love to create something within each event that goes into a city and gives them an opportunity to take a women's shelter, a food pantry, a school, anything like that, where we can rally all of the attendees to get behind one cause and really leave a positive footprint in the city where the event is being hosted. And my whole idea is is that it doesn't have to be a big donation. If you've got 50,000, 100,000 attendees and everyone donates $1 to this cause, we can, as the trade show industry, have a massive impact in all the communities where events are being hosted. So if I could wave my magic wand and look into my crystal ball, I would love to be able to have that program launched. So that's sort of my fantasy. And you never know. So you put it out there and and, and see what happens. But to, to bring the two worlds together. And I, I I hope I would like to be a conduit for change. I think I've proven I can negotiate a hotel contract. So how how would you take all of that to the next level and build on that?
1: So, Jen, I wanna, you know, you touched on it earlier, like Suzanne being this mysterious person behind the curtain, like the wizard of Oz and you know, a lot of people who are listening might know Suzanne just, you know, on the other end of a negotiation, you know, and and look, she's got a reputation. She's a tough negotiator, but she's fair, and she knows what she's doing. She knows what she wants, and she works really hard to get it. But a lot of people, even honestly colleagues, you know, whether there are, because she worked remote for so many years, there are even pre-merger and post-merger, that never really got to know that side of Suzanne, and that she is the kindest, most big hearted person you will ever meet. She, number one, she will cry at the drop of a hat. She will cry for you. She will, through all of this, you know, we've, we've been each other's support system, you know, she's, she's there for you when you need her. She, when you get to know her personally, you know, it's almost like two different people. Um, and I, I, someone who's so sensitive and focused on the needs of others and particularly what she did with Connect for Community, it's like, I often wonder how she does what she does every day. Because you know it, you did it, Jen, you know what it was and you managed the team that did it. It's like, it's hard to be in negotiations every day and some of them are easy, but more of them, many of them aren't, you know, and it's just relentless. And yet she still has this softness and humanity that I really wish more people would get to see.
0: I did learn about your work outside of the office, Suzanne, a few years ago, but it was a shock to me. And I don't mean that in a bad way because I didn't think you were capable. It just, I had no idea that, you know, the, I knew you were very, very busy with what you did for the company. And then to think that you were also, you know, spending time and your free time yep. to manage this, this organization was really impressive. So I, I agree, Rich, it was, it is something that I think is little known, but wonderful.
1: I wanna to touch on, on something you said too earlier about, you know, when we when we merged and we were finding our footing, I think one of the most impressive things for Suzanne and me and, and a lot of us the travel planners was how you in particular, but so many of the on peak team were involved in the industry and and sort of the, the connections that you guys had outside of the housing company hotel relationship was, was super impressive because we were we weren't siloed, but we were super focused. We did one; we still do one thing, and we, I would say, we do it the best. We, you know, and we do really well. But you guys were so involved in the industries, and 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 we we're just like, wow, that's kind of cool. You know, whether it's you know PCMA or you know IAWE or anything like that, you guys were like, God, they know stuff. And then listening to you is when you guys are with clients, you know, and that perspective that that you bring to them, you know, and then I, every client meeting that I've ever been in with you, Jen, it's like. They, they just step back and like, oh Jen, she really knows her stuff, you know? And it was inspirational to us. And it sort of, it, for, at least for me, it drove me, and I know it drove a lot of our colleagues to really step outside of the day-to-day, what we, you know, what we do, because it's tough.
0: I really like how this theme has kind of come full circle. So what I've picked out here is the two sides to every story, right? The two companies that merged and had these major strengths on both sides, but came together to become a new company that really had all these wonderful qualities, a a much more holistic
1: company. we We truly took the best of both and merged them together and it made us even stronger.
2: And I think moving forward, there's a really unique opportunity right now to, as we're putting all of this back together, not just putting it back together, but how can we be even a more meaningful industry than we already were? that's something that I would be excited to see and something I'd be excited to be a part of. I love that.
0: That is an excellent thing to strive for. And you know, Suzanne, I think maybe you're the person to lead that charge.
2: As long as you come along. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right. I'm
0: there. Okay. (laughs) Well, thanks guys. I really enjoyed chatting with you both tonight. And I really appreciate that you took the time to be on the call with me. So um, it's great to see you both and to catch up. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Jen. I love to see your faces. And I hope I get to see them some more.
0: Thank you again, Rich and Suzanne. I want to provide the website for Suzanne's charity. And that is connectforcommunity.org. So as a reminder, Connect 4 Community is a program that is designed to give necessities to communities in need through the donation of coupons. So visit the website to learn more or to make a donation. Well, that is a wrap on episode three. And as a reminder, I really want to hear from you. Please send feedback, show ideas, comments, questions, and interest in participating to me at roomblockpodcast at gmail.com or send me a message on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you for joining me today and please remember to subscribe to The Room Block so you can continue to join in the conversation.